today's episode I'm answering your questions. These are always my favourite kinds of episodes and today I cover everything from what advice would I give to someone starting out in their freelance career to sharing my favourite business tools that I use every day and my Instagram strategy if you were looking to start out and maybe grow your following and get clients. Hope you enjoy the episode. As always, like, share, subscribe and share it with someone who you think might enjoy it. Thank you. Hey, Thad, what's some advice for new creative entrepreneurs that you wish you had when you first started? Thanks. The best advice I can give to people who are starting out is something which I didn't do, but I wished I did. And that is build your network of people, you know, because generally in life, it's who you know, not what you know, which will get you the opportunities. And this is always true if there's a job going. If someone is looking to do a job or thinking about it or discussing it, whoever they're discussing it with, if, with, if they, they will probably recommend someone and therefore the job will be sort of offered to an agency or a client or a designer or whoever without it going to market visibly. Um, and that's, you know, where you want to be. So my advice is it's always really important to get to know people and keep in touch because the whole process of keeping in touch is going to bring you work. Now, the, the way to sort of build on this is when you work in an office or an agency, so what I would say, first of all, is don't or try not to take work in uh, an average company. So if you're not excited by the work that that company's doing or the people there, don't work there. Try and um, save up money by working a job you don't like that is well paid. Use that as a nest egg to then approach an agency you want to work for and offer to work for free. So like this, in a dream scenario, if you said, I want to work at VaynerMedia, then I would say, right, work during the day on earning money uh, doing a crap job like you're not a crap job but like if you say if you're a delivery driver you could spend all your day listening to podcasts and audiobooks to deepen your knowledge on your subject you could get paid quite well for delivering parcels and then in the evenings and weekends you can work on your portfolio and that break from work means that when it comes to working you're going to be enjoying it and you're going to be passionate about it if you've worked in uh, a crap agency where they're giving you the crap jobs and not nurturing your talent you spend all day doing work you hate, which kills your love for what you wanted to do. And is actually blunting your design skills because you're just being taught bad practices. And this is true of anything if you're working in a restaurant or learning music or anything. So for me, the best thing to do is just go, OK, I want to work at VaynerMedia. What skills do I need in order to sort of add value to the company? So that's knowledge and experience and talent. So I can get the knowledge by listening to audiobooks when I'm doing my delivery rounds. And I can get the talent by working on my portfolio in the weekends and evenings. So if I'm doing that, the next thing is experience. And ultimately, that's what they'll give you. So I would then work out, if I was to move to a city where there was a VaynerMedia office, how could I live there for six months as cheap as possible? Could I stay with friends or family? Or could I rent a cheap room on Airbnb or whatever it might be? I would then calculate my expenses for six months. And that's where I would try and save up. You might be able to get friends and family to kind of lend you a bit of cash. But ultimately, the objective is if it takes you, say, six months to save and then you go and work for six months, this is a big long term game. But in my experience, when you're starting out, it's better to go in at the top um, because it's you know much easier to go from VaynerMedia sideways to somewhere else. Excellent. than it is to go somewhere lower down and jump up and get promoted to someone like VaynerMedia. So what I would do is I'd work out six months of expenses and I would then go to VaynerMedia with my portfolio and my knowledge and say, 
I want to work for you. I'm prepared to work for free for six months. And if at the end of six months I'm not good enough, I will accept not a job. But if I have earned it, I expect a job. And that's a perfectly fair proposal. I don't think you'll find anyone that's going to say no to the drive, the ambition and the free work. And now you're in the door at VaynerMedia. And if you now you've got the chance and usually by working two jobs, i.e. the delivery driver and building your portfolio means you've got build up a tremendous work ethic. That's when you're going to thrive in that kind of environment. And that's when my bit of advice kicks in, because when you're in that environment, you need to take time to get to know all the key people in the key positions in the key departments. So the one thing I didn't do when I was working in advertising in the agencies, I never took the time to go around and talk to the like the HR department about contracts and business culture or any of my bosses about how they stay creative or where they get work or ideas or where they recruit from or the accounts department about, say, typically what goes into a contract and what are the typical payment terms and what rates are you paying your sort of freelancers and all these kind of things. And the reason being is when you go solo or if you want to become an independent contractor or a freelancer the more you know about the business side of the business the more equipped you're going to be so if you can actually make the jump in from part-time into you know full-time freelancing or, or, or whatever it is if you know what the typical payment terms are and you have a bulletproof contract and you understand what you should be getting paid and where people look to recruit people all of that insider knowledge is going to mean mean that you learn And you're going to stand a much better chance of getting a job because you're going to go to the places that hiring. You're going to know the headhunters. You're going to know all the ins and outs of the business. And I never did that. So I had to learn on the go. And trust me, when you don't get your first job right and then you invoice and it says, yeah, I'll pay you in 30 days. It's like I've already done the work. I've now got no cash coming in for 30 days. My cash is running out. That puts a lot of pressure under you. Where if you've saved up money, you've got a deposit you've invoiced halfway through for 50% and then you've invoiced for the final 50% at the end. Little things like that make a massive difference. As well as getting to know the ins and outs of the industry and how things work, you're building your network in different departments. And that goes back to what I said in the beginning, which is it's always who you know. Because when you move jobs or you're going to be moving jobs and you announce on LinkedIn that you're looking for opportunities or you can reach out to people privately and say, look, I'm thinking of moving on. If you, do you know of anywhere I could approach? They will tell you and then putting in a word for you will often open doors that you wouldn't be able to open on your own. So your network is your net worth and it will open doors and get you opportunities without you realising. And even if you are an independent contractor or a freelancer, just simply checking in with people. So like if I was looking for work and I was had, say, 20 agencies on my email list and I emailed 10 every week, so let's say I email five a week. So like that means I'm hitting each agency once a month. And I just say, look, I've got work. I've got a gap coming up. I'd love to work with you if you've got anything I can help with. Just that kind of sentiment. The amount of people that will go, actually, yeah, we've got a project you'd be perfect for. Then they'll bring you in and you'll never go want need work again. But like I said, this is all done behind the scenes because you have good relationships with people and you've shown you can work hard, you can be relied upon. So for me, that's the advice I'd give you. It's all about being very ambitious and aiming high and then making it very hard for that person to say no to you. And then after that, you have to work extremely hard to retain your place within the agency or wherever you want to work. And then you build your network. So if you don't make it there, at least those people can help you get started somewhere else. Hey, Thad. What are some crucial tools that you use for your business? 
financial apps, client management, content creation, podcast tools, etc. Thanks. When it comes to business tools, um, yes, there are certainly lots of tools I've found myself using. Um, and I'm certainly a bit of an addict. I love to go to sort of places like AppSumo and check out the latest kind of offers that they've got. And there's all, I'm always finding myself teetering on getting kind of seduced and uh, signing up for stuff that I probably don't need yet. And that's one thing I would ward against that I'm terrible at. And that's kind of I will sign up for something to kind of force myself to use it probably before I'm ready. Um, and so, like I said, I often have to do a cleansing of my tools at least once a year to cut the expenses. So the one thing is, it's good to sort of try things out, but like, please don't think that by getting the tools, it's going to change your world or your business. You know, the things that will change your world or your business are going to be who you know and kind of working hard and over-delivering on projects and sort of deepening your knowledge generally. So that out of the way, the favourite, uh, the best tool I would advise anyone to get is someone to help you. Um, I have... Uh, a lady who I use called Sarah Hannah, who I call the secret weapon because she is amazing. And the reason why she's amazing is because she's able to complement everything I'm terrible at. As a kind of creative person, I come up with lots of ideas, but I get bored putting them into practice. Where Sarah is brilliant at building kind of processes and organising my schedule. Uh, in actual fact, having someone like that really helps boost everything because it means that all the boring bits that I don't want to do get done. It gives me the accountability of like I've got to sort of take this seriously because someone's waiting on it. Um, and so, like like I said, the, the best tool or the best thing you could do for your business is to factor in the budget for someone like this so you can bring them into everything you do because they will do all the heavy lifting and all the stuff you don't want to do that's holding you back. So for me, if I can focus on kind of coming up with ideas for work and then she can help schedule them in so that we have a workflow going so they actually get made and they actually happen then that's amazing. So the first thing and the most valuable thing is Sarah. Um, but like I said, you can pick up someone you know who can do the same thing from a Facebook group or on um, Upwork or Fiverr or, or a recommendation. I like that, you know, I, when I was doing the podcast in the beginning, I had Eloisa who was doing all the production and that was amazing because I just recorded it and sent it to her. And um, the other secret weapon is Sammy, who I've been working with for a long time, who's amazing because he also super talented works really hard and he kind of he understands what I need um, so when it comes to creating and editing video content I can send it to him and he'll chop it up and make it look amazing add the captions and the graphics and although that's something I, I could do I haven't got the kind of patience or time to learn how to do that so it's much easier to kind of budget for his role in the project and charge a little bit more than it is for me to sort of charge a little bit more and then take time out for me to learn that skill and I think realizing that I don't need to learn every skill in the world and I can actually just outsource a lot of those skills to people I trust was a really big learning curve for me in my kind of evolution as a creative and a business owner. Um, so back to kind of if you can't afford that or you're not quite there yet I completely understand. Um, the tools which I use often and these off the top of my head but I generally find so podcasting, as I'm doing now, I love Anchor. So this is anchor.fm. Uh, it's free to use and they have an app you can use on your phone, which I'm using now, or you can have it on your desktop. Um, the reason why I love it is simply ease of use. Now, I know that the audio isn't perfect and it's a little bit clunky, but being able to put together an episode on your phone, on your own, and then click publish and it goes out across all the kind of main channels is amazingly convenient for me. So for me, that's a, a huge advantage over paying for hosting with Libsyn and paying an editor 
um, especially as this podcast is kind of uh, like a sort of hobby that I do that I'm building up upon. It's one of those things that I don't want to have to be spending kind of like 50, 60, maybe even $100 a month producing podcasts when I'm not getting any sort of sponsorship or any sort of tangible revenue from that. So certainly in the beginning, using something like Anchor is going to be really helpful at sort of allowing me to sort of learn how to podcast consistently and then um, I can improve and upgrade when I've got a bit of traffic going. Um, what other features I love about it is the ability for people to leave messages like voicemails as we're doing now and also you can add people to the call they just call in and you have a discussion so for the clunkiness and the sort of roughness of the audio I like the ease of convenience so that's a big one I also love Zoom and I've been using Zoom for probably five years now it's I was one of the sort of early adopters of it because my business coach was using it and again what I love about this is not only is it much better than Skype, it's much more reliable connection and that's where I made that switch. But also um, because I can record the sessions and it gives me a, like a variety of options when it comes to exporting them, I can always record interviews in Zoom and then use the audio for the podcast. I can record courses and coaching in Zoom and then send it to my clients. But also, like I said, if I prepare um, presentations in Keynote, which is my third one, then I can record them in Zoom with my voice and then that means I can produce edu educational content and mini courses and teaching. And then that means it's super easy to do because all I've got to do then is prepare a keynote, you know, put it in Zoom, press record, screen record the whole thing. I've got the audio file and then I would send that to someone like Sammy to chop up. But if I structure it in a way that it's easy to see the joins, then I can always edit that myself. Um, so, again, the, the Zoom is, is vital for any business. I, I couldn't recommend it enough. Um, because I think of what it enables you to do and it's super convenient. The other thing which I just alluded to is Keynote, which for me is the best sort of design bit of software out there, not because it sort of gives you a huge variety of kind of options, but mainly because it's so quick and convenient. So if I want anything complex, I'll always take it to Photoshop, Illustrator or InDesign, but generally for kind of presentations and getting down ideas and testing out designs, Zoo, um, sorry, Keynote is phenomenal and I create all my presentations in Keynote and then I can export those as PDFs. So for me, Keynote is amazing for just facilitating work with clients, doing proposals, but also if I want to create educational content, I do it all in Keynote. I add that with Zoom and the killer is a killer combination, really, those two together. Aside from that, we're looking at things like Artboard.studio, which is a website for mockups, which is phenomenal. Um, they do they're always adding to their mock-ups and they have loads of, sort of pre-made ones to get you started so I think the versatility of that um, to add that it's you know to your arsenal for $12 a month is, is it's phenomenal so I would say that would be an absolute must uh, for photography uh, there's um, pexels.com burst.shopify.com and the big one is unsplash.com which I think is the best I find that as more people discover unsplash because the photography is great if you want to stand out i find it's worth searching for like a lateral term or a term that's like one step to the side of what you're searching for so if i was searching for uh i don't know marketing i might be looking at things like well conversations or sparks or ideas or brands or money or i would look at almost like a mind map and i find that the kind of the secondary subject matter if you search for that and then apply it to what you're teaching, then that makes it a bit more interesting because it's slightly out of context. So if you were talking about sort of getting new clients 
and you had a picture of one of those um, Chinese money cats, uh, for example, that, yeah, that's all about bringing money into your business, which is what you're talking about. But a Chinese money cat is visually more arresting than a handshake or something more cliched. And I find a lot of the designers, the work I see is very kind of uh, predictable and uh, fairly obvious. And I find that a lot of the stock photography is tremendously cliched. So if you, I would, I hate stock photography generally, but Unsplash is, is pretty good at, you know, you know, not looking too cheesy. Uh, let's see. Creative Market is obviously good. Invato Elements is not bad as well. Uh, I think those are the big ones. For calendars, I have But Like a Boss, which is okay. Uh, I think Calendly is probably better, but again, I got this as a deal on AppSumo. For social media scheduling, I use Social B, but I think probably Meet Edgar or Planoly or Later are probably Superior or Hootsuite. But again, I got like a lifetime deal on AppSumo, that's why I use that. Um, <clears throat> but those are the, the core tools. You know, I think it's always important to sort of be, you know, listening to things on Audible and listening to podcasts. But as far as business tools I use every day, I use those all the time. So for me, they're the most sort of important things. If I was to start over, that's something where I'd start with. And I guess I would do all my website design in Squarespace because their new template builder is super fast and price wise, it's extremely competitive. Hi, Fad. Um, could you please outline any necessary Instagram etiquette for someone starting out as a small business or self-employed? Um, as an example, uh, if somebody fo follows you from a private account but is followed by lots of others that you follow, is it deemed acceptable to follow them back? Um, just interested. And also, um, social media as a whole, are there any rules, do's and don'ts? That would be really helpful. Thank you. When it comes to sort of social media and particularly Instagram, I think it's I found that it's very it's much easier for my mental headspace to have a, a professional business account where I just po post work based content. And then I have a private account for friends and family if they want to follow me. And I find that sometimes if you don't curate what you share, it can be confusing to people because ultimately it's kind of uh, it's like an online portfolio. People are looking to kind of follow you for some sort of reason. And normally that will be be because they love your work or you can deepen their knowledge or you're just generally good value and entertaining so this is where you're going to see like either quotes to inspire people or memes to make people laugh or really talented designers who do great work whatever it is everyone's going to be slightly different but it's probably really important to try and choose the type of account you want to do and then I would always start with what I was wanting to convey so I would pick, say, four to five categories that you're going to post on. So like maybe they're pillars, like content pillars. So it might be themes that matter to you, that are unique to you or values you have or different types of posts. So themes might be that um, creativity might be a theme or I work from home or I'm really into cats or I'm a single mum or they might be themes you want to talk about. Um, values might be, again, like I really value creativity. I like colour. Uh, I like honesty, I like sort of inspirational quotes, whatever that might be. That's a really sort of crap answer, but it's the thing of you've just got to pick things which are kind of consistent and true to you, because if you post on those themes enough and you stick to those themes, people will recognise those themes in your content, which is helpful for, you know, consistency. And then you pick the different types of posts. So one might be a quote, one might be a behind the scenes, one might be a tutorial, one might be before and after one might be finished work one might be a might long more thoughtful post could be a q a 
Um, there's lots of different types of posts, but again, if you pick three to four of those and then you make those your post, it's going to give you a structure because you're going to have the type of post and then the theme for the post. And there's a lot of overlap between the two. When it comes to doing it, I think you've always just got to put out the work you want to get hired for and you want to get into the minds of your target audience. So if there is a specific type of people or group you want to attract, you need to be following them to understand what they're thinking and what's happening in their industry. I think the mistake a lot of, say, freelancers make is they end up doing design work for themselves, which gets a lot of attention from other designers. But these people are never going to be your clients. So we need to be single minded and go, OK, if I want to work with coffee shops, I need to be posting work that coffee shops are going to like. I need to be demonstrating how I can help those businesses. And I also need to be following all those um, key people within that industry who I need to know about. So this is going to be uh, industry accounts that are about coffee. Um, it's going to be baristas. It's going to be like food bloggers. It's going to be roasters. It's going to be coffee shops. It's going to be all those kind of people, because if I'm following all of them, not only am I kind of aware of what's going on in the industry and what they're interested in, but then I can engage on their content and they can remind them that I'm around. And if I'm around and they come to my profile, if they're going <clears> to <throat> follow me, then they need to see something worth following. So I would look at it this way and kind of go Instagram is a sales channel to drive people to an event like maybe a sign up page or a website or an email list. And it's just another way of getting in front of people. So I would curate my profile to be exactly what they're looking for that demonstrates what I'm good at. So there's a sort of partnership and meeting halfway. And then I would be looking to use things like the link in my bio to maybe drive people to sign up for like a lead magnet on, you know, the you know five things you can do to double your coffee shop turnover in a year, whatever. If they download that, then they get on your email list and then you can email them. And you've taken the conversation from off Instagram where you don't control the algorithm to their inbox where you do have more control over that relationship. And so that's where I would be looking to set my uh, Instagram up. And when I was doing Instagram, so I'm not doing it much at the moment, but I, I will change that. That's certainly where I was looking to take it. And this is what I would, would do. It's all about taking the temperature of your industry and getting in their mind. And when you're doing this, you can then ask them questions. You can have Q&As, you can comment on things, and that will help give you more of an insight as to kind of what they need help with and what they're interested in. Um, when it comes to the DMs and all that kind of stuff, there's loads of, if you want to grow your account, there's there's lots of like things you could be doing. Posting really, really valuable carousel contents and then doing lots of engagement, i.e. answering every comment and using the right hashtags are all ways to do this, but it's enormously labour intensive. So I think you need to probably develop a workflow that suits you, that will allow you to kind of um, create content that is what you're doing, um, that is relevant and valuable to your audience, but isn't an enormous sort of time sap of time. Because although Instagram can get you clients, most people will just follow you and then they will probably check you out on other platforms such as your website, and maybe LinkedIn. And the, so, you know, don't put all your eggs into the Instagram basket. Instead, I would use it to kind of keep up to date with what your target audience is up to. And I would try and drive the traffic from there into a, something which you own. So that could also be a private Facebook group, you know, where you can talk to people as well. So that that is always where I would take it. And I think with anything, just be social and generous with your information. But set a limit on how much time you spend on there because it can be 
um, another form of digital pro procrastination. When, and you can, because I've done this, I've certainly, I lied to myself saying I was building my business by always being on Instagram, but I would never get any decent work from Instagram. It was always be a, maybe a, a small factor in whether I got awarded the work, but it wasn't the only factor. So don't put too much emphasis on it because you'll never control the algorithm, um, but use it like a tool so that you can, you know, like I said, keep an eye on what your clients are up to and then drive their interest into a more tangible asset that you have more control over. Hope you enjoyed the episode. I do love these Q&As, so I would really appreciate it if you sent me your questions. You can message me at thad at thadeducation.com or you can go to the Anchor uh, podcast podcast page which is anchor.fm forward slash education there's an option to leave a message there as always um you know if you found this useful i'd really love it if you shared with someone it'd mean the world to me um, please subscribe it helps me grow the podcast and the more people i can reach and help the happier i will be and hopefully they will be as well have a great day and thanks for listening